Hey everybody, our guest today is Eric Egnett and he's a person that has started and sold about three different companies and he's actually in the process of starting a new one. I wanted to have him on because I thought it'd be helpful for us to get to know somebody that has been successful in starting and selling um, quite a few different companies. In our interview, we get into the mindset behind um, an entrepreneur and um, what it really takes to be able to um, achieve uh, some of the things that he's been able to achieve. We talk a little bit about his childhood and his upbringing and what things around him have allowed him to achieve some of the things that he's done up until this point. And we get into a crucial question in our interview, and that is the question, why? And why asking why is so important and why we don't all ask that question and the fears behind that. It was a lot of fun. It was a great interview. So let's get to it. So Eric, how you doing, man? How you been? Hey, Manny, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. Last time we saw each other was like, has it been like two years, maybe? I think so. Uh, Certainly in that neck of the woods. So So I know that you're super famous, but for those that don't know who (laughs) Eric is, (laughs) do you mind giving us like a a two, three sentence kind of you know, what you're up to these days? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I would qualify your super famous thing. Um, I'm just a passionate guy who loves, uh, uh, you know, exploring uh, new endeavors and whatnot. So I'm, um, I've started a new company uh, in the the last many months um, uh, in the midst of uh, uh, a world where uh, I think there's opportunity, a lot of companies changing and transitioning and uh, transforming. And I think there is opportunity out in that marketplace. So uh, having, um, you know, done a lot of work for companies over the years, I think there is a, um, and I actually genuinely care. I want to see people um, and businesses thrive, not just survive. And so, that's a, you know, it's a new business and uh, where, it, where I apply, uh, you know, some modern age technologies and some modern strategy approaches to help these companies help themselves. So that's it in a, in a nutshell. And that's, so I think I cut you at a good time. We'll get, I'm sure we'll get some good, good stories around that. Sure. Um, but before we get into all the nitty, nitty gritty, can you take us back to who Eric was um, as a kid, kind of like growing up? Um, were you the same goal-driven, fearless guy that you are today, or did things change? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, I, I grew up I was in a humble, you know, family. My father was a home painter, a house painter. And um, so it was, um, you know, a time when and my mother was like a crossing god. So it was, you know, things were uh, always kind of, you know, we, we always did well, but we was tight. And um, I always looked at you know, I don't know if I want to, you know, follow uh, the same kind of trajectory of learning a trade like that, but maybe perhaps I could find myself in to some new eras and uh, new areas. Uh, and I think when as a kid, I was very much into science and I always thought I might be uh, doing something with science specifically. And my mom bought me a uh, chemistry set, I can remember, and doing all kinds of fun experiments. And I used to been, used to be into model rockets, uh, oh, so really? watching model rockets and building rockets. So, I always thought that that was a trajectory I was going to go to. Um, and so, um, uh, and I think I was always, uh, you know, uh, curious and I, I, you know, you know, and I think that for me, 
uh, the world's an oyster, you know, that expression, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's what we make of it. I, I, I remember, and I still think about it when you wake up as a kid, you have the whole day ahead of you, right? Like what could happen? What's the, what's right. what, you know, we're alive. Like, you know, you don't have a care in the world, but you have like, what could this day bring? And I think I still have some of that, maybe not the same energy, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I still look at what are the possibilities that are out there? So I think I had that, uh, those early ingredients uh, in, in my making. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got into school and, you know, we can talk about that a little bit as well. That's an interesting, I have a question for you around that because, um, you know, just based on the school that you went to, but, if, you know, I, I've, I always hear, um, and again, it depends on who you talk to, that to an extent school can be a little uh, restrictive you know, they have curriculums and things that they want the kids to focus on. So you being the curious kid that you were, um, did that ever bother you? Or did the school that you were a part of um, more encourage that, that type of um, thinking and, and um, curiosity that you had? No, I think it was the former. I think I felt like I was just another uh, in a process of curricula that's been designed for the masses and I actually, and I'm, and I'm not negative about school at all. I think that um, getting a good education or getting exposed to things and areas and subjects that you, um, you know, have not been uh, necessarily, uh, you know, taught or, um, you know, given enough kind of education around is always a good thing. This, I would call general education is a good thing. But I also think you need to Could be you classify that a little bit. Well, I, I think general education in terms of mathematics, right? Okay. Uh, being able to write and learning more about our history, learning more about kind of, um, you know, how one uh, science, right? how to, you know, learning some of the things about science, even, even some things around kind of, you know, uh, crafts like in schools and, mm. and things like that. I think creativity is really, really important. I'll say this about school, though, right? The, the school, and certainly when I was going to school and growing up, um, and I still think it's the case. You're, you're, you know, you're growing up, you're, you're, you're as a as an individual, and then you're almost being channeled down a, a pathway that says you at ultimately have to make a decision of what you want to do with your life. Right. And um, and I think all roads are trying to get to that place, and 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 there's pressures in school teachers, you know, your family, you know, and everybody I think means well, but they ultimately get you to a place where um, that you're, 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 you're forced and you're wrestling and almost you get anxious about what is it that I want to choose. And then ultimately I need to choose. And then I'm going to, you know, somewhere mentally in my mind, I'm going to stay. That's what I'm going to do in the rest of my life. And then we're going to grow up and I'm going to get that job and I'm going to, I'm going to get a picket fence around my house and I'm going to, um, I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to go on with life. And then I'm getting older, I'm going to retire and, you know, rock in a chair. And, and I've always said, no, I don't really subscribe to that model. Mm. Uh, I think that, you know, we are, uh, as individuals, uh, we're all, we have many gifts. I think, uh, you know, most of us, you know, may not, may not think so, but we have many gifts that we can use, uh, in our repertoire to become people that, you know, we get excited about in terms of the things that we do, things that we like. So I think school is, is foundational in, in, in some respect. I don't think the school that I did allowed me to, I grew up in Methuen. And so I, you know, went to the Methuen school systems and all of that. I don't think there was exceptional, uh, you know, caveats and calling people out and, 
and, and, and seeing their potential and whatnot, except when I went to high school. And if you want me to go into that, Manny, right now, I can tell you that as well. Would that yeah, be helpful? So um, I think one interesting point that you mentioned was kind of like the crafts and kind of like the extracurricular, quote unquote, that you mentioned. I was talking to my wife not too long ago, and uh, those, those seem to just be going down the wayside. It just seems like more and more we're just getting rid of all these uh, more creative kind of classes that, that you and I, you know, fortunately had. I mean, I've been able to, I mean, I draw and I do my other stuff on the side, but I don't think that if I, I don't know if I, if I didn't have that exposure in school, I don't know if I, if I would be doing that. I think that, that's right. And if you factor you know, that into like uh, even musical instruments, I can remember playing yeah. trumpet. I was playing trumpet, you know, not that, you know, I'm a trumpet player now, but it was good to get that exposure. Yeah. It was good to look at the world through different lenses. And that's, I mean, I teach that like throughout uh, my career now, you know, the lens you look through, and the variety of lenses you have mm. are really, really important. Because if you only have one lens, and the only thing you've been exposed to is, you know, the, you know, the, the subjects that you've been, you know, offered up to, and, and you have to pick one of them, there's no originality necessarily in that, right? And there's no yeah. exposure. So, but I think that, you know, I also did, I remember, you know, early on, I ran uh, in track. Uh, so oh, I, nice. you know, track, there was, you know, there was you know, some crafts, there was cooking class, you know, little, little <laughs> cooking thing, you know, trumpet, those were all, but, but, you know, they're all like the recorder, the little recorder mm-hmm. back in the yeah. days, all of those things, those seem like, you know, they're like electives and they're, you know, you add that to the mix, but I actually really think those are really, really important because, you know, it's the separation from what you do and what you, who you are, right. It's what right. you do and who you are. So I think those, you know, getting that creative uh, bent and it's not necessarily, you know, only limited to those, but mm-hmm. it's really, really important. And well, I think that, of- sure, I think what you see a lot of schools and all that is they defund that stuff. That's not like really, it's, it's, it costs more money to kind of carry that on and they, and, and right. they leave it up to the parents and the families to try to, you know, get their kids into sports and get them into things. But, you know, society has an interesting pull uh, uh, on, you know, affordability for a lot of that stuff and a lot of other things that, you know, children will not necessarily kind of gravitate to unless they have parents that will kind of, you know, and, you know, try to nudge them into it. And there's a difference between, you know, doing what your parents want you to do and what you <laughs> want to do. As well. <laughs> oh, Just yeah. Sure we're clear on that. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, though, because I feel like even more and more now, I mean, you're seeing so many people that are, um, able to make a career and make a living just out of the things that they're passionate about that people just want to learn more from yeah so it's kind of like you know it almost seems like the school system is going one way but society and what's valuable and what we trade for you know for money essentially is is shifting which is interesting i think well listen i think the world's on that note i think we're moving from a time where you go and it certainly was the generation before me uh, so I'm 54 for the full for the full disclosure. Um, but the generation before me, people stayed in their jobs for 35 years, 40 years. Mm-hmm. They retired, they had their pension. They look forward. Now they're rocking in their chair, and or yeah, they were, and they have their check comes in the mail. Yeah, and this and they get to tell the tale of all their life of what they did, working in whatever they did. Um, but I can tell you, here's one interesting point, Manny. And you know, going back to my childhood, I tell this to, I tell this story a lot because it's true. Even when I was a kid, but especially as I became a teenager, 
I'd be with my friends. We'd be playing the ballpark or whatever, right? And I would see a, an older person sitting on a bench. Um, and uh, I always ran up to the bench and said, hello, how you doing? Two reasons. One, it's oftentimes these people are alone by themselves. They're, you know, and nobody engages with them. And, and so I always wanted to make sure I did my part to say hello. And, mm-hmm. and number two, I said, listen, I'm a, I'm a young man growing up. I'm, I'm coming up in the world. And uh, I'm trying to learn now lessons that I can apply throughout my life rather than learn them later so that I look back. I, and, and so if I could ask you some questions, that would be wonderful. So I said, what did you have? What did you do your whole life? What would you do for a career? Why did you make that choice? Why did you stay with the same company for as long as you stayed? And, and I said, if I can ask you one final question, what would you do different? And do you have, and, and, and second question, final question, what regrets might you have? And they said, you know what, I would have taken uh, more risk. I wouldn't have taken the easy path of staying with the same company uh, all these years. I regret I had that I had some ideas and I had some skills and I had some abilities that I never actually took advantage of because mm-hmm. I was... I should have been, I just be need to be responsible and I need to have a job and I just need to stay in that job, you know, sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, swiftly go the years. And now I, now I look back and say, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't feel terrible, but what I did, but I wish I had looked at the world differently. And I, and I did that many, many, many times. And I think that helps seed, uh, you know, you know, uh, me into thinking, you know, there's a there's, doesn't it's not necessarily a one uh, follow the yellow brick road path. Right. That you have to make a path out there and be able to uh, be willing to look at things again through uh, some different lenses and make the choices that go along with that. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. How how old were you when you when you were going out to? Yeah, I, I was like, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't eight, uh, but I was like, in my, <laughs> I was early, in my early teens, definitely, yeah. I was doing that's pretty, that. That's mature for a, for, a, for a teenager to. Yeah, and then when I got into like my eight, late, late teens and early 20s, I was very, it was very concentrated in that way. Uh, and again, and, and I, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I looked at the world differently. Again, my father was a house painter. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we lived in apartments. We didn't live in homes. And so it was, I'm like, I knew I needed to do something uh, to uh, do something. Cause um, you know, for me to go off and try to achieve uh, things, it was not going to be through my father's paint business. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to look at what those options are. I also remember, you know, um, you know, friends of mine making time to make those decisions, like we're going to college, or we're going to go, or I'm going to become an electrician, and I'm going to become a, a mechanic in a car, and they started to go down these, all these paths. So again, that, that choice when you're in school, you get, the, you know, you get, you're seeing people, they, they already know what they're going to do. In some cases, father has a business, parents have a business, they so you right. go work in that business. Um, and so I think that, you know, a lot of those things kind of circled in my mind. And I'm a guy who loves to look at variables and uh, come up with equations and try to help me, uh, you know, make decisions that I do. So. so it sounds like very early on, you, you had kind of linked um, your current situation with you wanting something different. Yeah, and so something more, right? I wanted some, and I, you know, so when you're going to, we'll talk, I'm sure, being entrepreneurial, that there's yeah. the risk side of it. But you know, I also think that entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurialness uh, creates opportunity. Then it affords opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily see uh, by going traditional uh, channels, going, applying for a job, staying in the same company and, and all of those things. So 
I, I, you know, so I was driven. I had that drive. I also had this drive to be, I, I knew I wanted to do something, like I said, science mm. related. I didn't understand technology at that point in the time because it wasn't really prevalent. Uh, but, you know, you know, that changed in high school. Yeah. So, so what did, what did happen in high school that, so, that you know, that? you know, thanks for asking me. Um, I, uh, you know, I was a, a sophomore in Methuen High School, and um, and I was, you know, I, you know, I, I wasn't on the, I, it wasn't on the, the sports side, the jock side, running around. I, I gave that up after freshman year, uh, though I ran varsity in my freshman year, which was great. I kind of, um, and then I wasn't on the other side of just like you know, um, you know, you know, hoodlums and all the other stuff mm. that goes with it. I, I think I got along with everybody and everybody well. And I was a little bit of a punk, I'll be honest, uh, you know, it was, uh, um, and, you know, I was, you know, you know, the classes that I took and that were foundational, important, I, I you know, they were okay. I wouldn't think I was a great student because I wasn't that particularly strongly interested in, you know, uh, doing my very, very, very best in all of those classes. But where I was interested, i.e. chemistry <laughs> and, and other science classes, I, I you know, I excelled. But. I was walking down the hall one day, and there was a, uh, a gentleman in the hall I had never met. He was a new teacher, uh, beginning of the year, and he goes, I, uh, I'm going to be teaching a computer class. And Wayne Computers at the time had donated the first ever computer system to Methuen High School. It was still out of the box. They were putting it together. And he goes, I use, I've worked in the commercial side of uh, um, you know, computing, and I, but I've decided I've, I want to teach. And I would love to have, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm out here hustling in the hall, trying to get to students to sign up. And I remember I was like, I don't even know what, I don't even know here, but I walked in the room and I watched the, I watched the word going across the screen. You know, I taken typing classes and all yeah. this, but this was actually just happening. And I it kept going just, it was, it was simple. It said wing. Right. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I, I got into the class and I just, I, it just hit it just for me it was like I get it and um, I'll give it a, I'll give the summary version because the longer version is too long um, I actually excelled at all the exercises they gave he gave this guy jo- Joseph Austin Joe Austin um, in Methuen High School but he gave me other work because he you know he challenged me and I would actually I would stay after school every single day almost so two two three times a week minimum and I would work till five o'clock on, you know, going through the manuals, writing notes, taking manuals home at night, beyond the class, but more on the weighing system. Uh, Probably a little bit devious. I was rebooting the system and all that during the day when I shouldn't have been. And (laughs) a lot of, I learned a lot from that. Um, And that, uh, that was, that was my indoctrination into it. And I wrote a lot of applications and uh, my mom worked it. My mom ended up working for Wang. Uh, in the latter years, and she had brought some of the stuff that I wrote from high school to the Wang guy, and I got a chance to meet a guy at Wang with software development, and I was like, oh, this is really fun, and I got to Wang for one summer, not programming, but uh, assembling computers and whatnot, but I had a chance to talk to people, and I started saying to myself, maybe not science, maybe tech, maybe technology, maybe not science. Mm. So I managed to take more computing classes in high school, and um, and actually, I'd be, I'd be, if I'm fair disclosure, full disclosure, I was skipping classes to go to more uh, classes <laughs> um, uh, in high school. And, uh, but I, I call those the very early foundational years 
uh, for me. And I told myself when I was in high school, I want to be a programmer analyst. That was my goal. I want to be a programmer analyst. So here's, uh, a, here's um, a question for you. So um, you were introduced to computers. Um, yeah. Your dad is a painter. How did they take to this new interest of yours? Like, were your parents uh, super supportive? And they're like, yeah, follow your dreams. Like, this sounds cool. I don't get it. But, you know, you, you do what you have to do to, you know, to explore this new excitement that you have. Or were they more like, I don't know what this is. Maybe you want to focus your time on something a little bit more, quote unquote, realistic that will feed your family. Like, how, how was that dynamic? Yeah, I think it was a little of each. I think it was unknown. Um, it was like the unknown unknowns, right? The expression mm. known, knowns, known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Yeah. And I think that, um, but I think they were always supportive. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, um, you know, they, they didn't really understand it, but they, uh, I think they appreciated. it. And I ended up getting a job at, uh, it was a called Computer Town up in Salem, New Hampshire, uh, years mm. back. And it was, it was, it was right at the cusp of when PCs and Macintosh computers were hitting the market. Um, And uh, so I spent the summer, uh, it was like an inventory job, you know, helping, you know, with inventory, but they gave me the chance to to, uh, play with the computers. And then I had an opportunity. They couldn't, they couldn't, uh, didn't know how to manage the inventory. They had pots and products and all of this, uh, but they didn't know how, they didn't have no software for it. So Mm -hmm. I told them I can write the software. And they were like looking at me like I had three heads. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, let me borrow a PC, which we I couldn't afford, by the way. Um, and um, you know, I'll write some software for our group. And then, like two weeks later, I came in with the software that I wrote after hours mm-hmm. uh, in my room, uh, showing my parents, Manny, um, that it, you know I've done done this for the computer, and I brought it in, and they that became the new standard uh, for the company, and so. Uh, and then I remember it was an, it was a summer job. And then there was some, you know, at the end of the summer, they were letting go people and, and they even let go of my boss, but the, my boss had said to me, Hey, listen, you know, we didn't have a chance to pay you for that application. So I'm going to give you that PC. And I was like, beautiful. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, so that gave me the chance to play even more uh, and study even more around, you know, that world. So that was, uh, that was really interesting. What language were you writing in at the time? Do you it was remember? all uh, it was all basic, and basic doesn't you know basic doesn't mean basic. It was but it was the basic language, and I was playing mm. with, um, you know, I went to uh, Northern Essex for a couple of years, and I did like the Cobols and the Pascals yeah. and the Fortrans and all of that. But really, basic was the um, you know it was Wang basic, and then ultimately went through those different languages and whatnot. So I'll tell you, um. It- it makes sense. You're just hearing your story. It, it makes sense that you ended up um, a developer, and because so from so I'm a sysadmin, and uh, I, I've done a lot of work in in PowerShell. Uh, it's not necessarily yeah. scripting, but you yeah. do get to build certain logic to be able to do do Man certain things. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there isn't anything like the feeling of troubleshooting, spending nights trying to figure something. And then having a program that works and automatically does all these things that would take you an hour or two to do. That's right. So I'll tell you a funny story. So I'll round it up. I took a lot of classes and courses and I got into boarding. Um, This LC DeKalb, Prince Spaghetti Cracker Jack. 
Elmer's Glue, LC, that's yeah. dairy ice cream, uh, $7 billion company. And I got in working on, you know, running their uh, digital, those digital VAC systems. And again, a lot of that, Manny, was the same kind of thing. They had, you know, they had these rich manuals to, you know, step by step by step by step what you should take. And it struck me very early on, like, why are we doing it like this? <laughs> um, you know, why is it like, and, and people took great pride in like, okay, the next step, and they typed it in. And mm. so I started building streams what they call DCL streams. And that, and I said, listen, these things can run automatically. I don't need them. Let them just execute one by one by one by one. And just tell me, send me an alert if something goes wrong. Um, cause I don't, I don't need to be sitting here babysitting the step, mm. but what ended up happening is the free time that I had, I started programming in VAX basic, uh, uh for the company. And so I, my operations, it was notified, it was running itself, notifying me if there was a problem while I immersed myself in programming. And then I'm giving you the short story. I got approached uh, a year and a half into it. And they said, Eric, uh, Greg, who was a senior programmer at the time is leaving. We'd like to make you a programmer analyst. And I was oh, like, okay. beautiful. Uh, that was beautiful. And then I spent the next, uh, you know, three and a half years there. Uh, and I became a senior programmer as well. And I started writing massive systems for three of their major divisions in North Andover. So I got a lot of that exposure. It was yeah. a lot of fun. And then, man, just like you're saying, like, you know, problem solving. How do you, ch- how do, you do this? How do you do that? But I would also tell you that, you know, this is going to open the door. The next sec- the section of our conversation is, a lot of technology people write technology or write programs and applications because someone gives them a specification says, go do this. And that's what you should do. And mm. as long as it does it, everybody's happy. They go great. And then they wait for the next specification. But I was always going, why, why, why are we doing this? Why are we writing? What, why do you need this application, this report, this query? And I started building a relationship with the different, um, you know, stakeholders in the di- three mm. different divisions, the highest right. person, in fact, the controllers in those three divisions. And they started coming to me uh, often and asked for a meeting because I would add value to what they were trying right. to do. So then I would improve upon the specification so that ultimately we would start to, um, you know, we, we build better software and build better outcomes. And that really paid uh, a lot of dividends, um, because then I got recruited into healthcare after boarding. Mm-hmm. I had an executive search guy chase me down, and he, um, I went, I ended up, you know, here's one. I left a $7 billion boarding who made products and all kinds of stuff all around the globe to a 70 person travel nurse company that I never even heard of what this concept of travel nursing uh, it had been started by uh, husband and wife entrepreneurs. Oh, um, really? They created the industry. So I found myself leaving uh, 11, you know, there was, you know, thousands of people had boarded to 70 people uh, in this little place in Malden, Massachusetts. But I went down there. Um, I love the, uh, I love the uh, entrepreneurial thing that they did. They had grown the company um, to like a, you know, a $35 million company. Uh, they were struggling with what to do next and all of these things. And um, it gave me a chance to kind of uh, do some new things. So I became systems and programming manager, then IT director. And, and the IT director started to allow me to do more on the business side um, mm. as well in helping look at the business holistically and how we can look end to end all the various functions as well as what we do in the market. Became the CTO, giving the short version. And then we, in four years, we grew the company to like $115 million, brought in angel investors. And then we merged with our largest competitor out of Boca Raton, Florida, called Cross Country Staffing. 
and they offered, they offered me the chief information officer position. And now for five and a half, five years or five and a half years, I went back and forth from Boston to Boca airplane every other week, yeah. wow. every other week, even having young children um, to, uh, you know, you know, bring these two companies together, very different cultures, very different kind of mindsets. And you have to understand that, you know, I think in business to be successful, like technology or business, you have to understand people, you know, you have to understand change and culture and mindsets and all that. And Boca had a very different style than Boston, which had a very different, and, and we had two different cultures. And we also had, they had very different technology than Boston had. We were doing, you know, all kinds of merging tech web technologies and, and they were green screen. They were, you know, conservative, really kind of little dated screens. But anyways, we brought it together, bought two companies, went public. So I was part of the executive team, only one out of Boston. The rest of the team was down in Boca. And then we bought eight more companies. And, you know, it's kind of like a baptism of kind of, you know, of technology. I had to bring all these companies under the technology realm. Um, and we grew from when I started at Travcore, we had 600 nurses. When I left cross country, we had 6,000 nurses. But what I do in companies, and I still do this very day, is I, um, I ask the same questions. Why? So we did one thing at Travcore. Like we placed this thing called mid-surge nursing. But I'm like, why are we only placing that one specialty? And then I started asking, why aren't we placing ER people in OR and ICU and CCU? And then I started, why aren't we doing physical therapy? Why aren't we doing advanced practice? And not only me, but others were like, we should be doing this. And then we got into doctors and then we got into executives. And so next thing you know, we created this new company that would be on just placing the travel nursing. We were able to extend our capabilities and add a greater value to our customers. Cross country to their credit, had to have cross country university. And then when I was there across country, we decided to get into clinical trials, too, because you had nurses mm. who go, we want to leave the bedside and we want to get into, uh, we want to still use our skills, but where else can we use them? So we got it. We bought a clinical trials company as well. So it was a lot of fun. And I walked into the CEO's office. Here we go, Manny. Uh, in 2004, and I said, uh, I'm leaving. And he says, what? And I go, I'm leaving. I, I've solved the Rubik's Cube. And he goes, but, but, but Eric. I had 80 people in my IT department. We had, you know, had 1,200 internal employees. We had 6,000 people in the field. I'm like, my job's done here. I, you know, I'm not going to – I'm interested in going and solving new challenges rather than just maintaining what we got going on here. And we did some really amazing things, big ERP implementations, multi-million dollars, portals, artificial intelligence, even back in those days. So I, he goes, well, you know, what is it you're going to do? And I'm going to go – I'm like, I'm going to go launch a media company. He said, what do you know about media? I said, nothing. And, and, he, and he, I don't understand. And I said, Joe, I love you guys. I, I, I don't really want to keep coming back to Boca. My kids are getting a little bit older. I want to be there. I'm up in Boston. And I had a friend who had gone over to Monster. And Monster said, had said at the time they were going to get into healthcare. But they, after a year, they said, you know, really nurses and doctors and pharmacists and therapists have no interest in actually going to Monster.com to fill out, at the mm. time at least, right. put their resume in there. So I, and, but I, they, we learned that there was like $600 million being spent annually by hospitals all around the United States using agencies to run to ads hire. and magazines and all that stuff. So I went off and I launched a, I said, why not? So again, here's that, why not? And so my wife wasn't so thrilled that I quit my job, you know, cause again, that's the, you know, the paycheck stops. So this right. is that whole kind of, right. 
But uh, I don't mind my, my little pup back there. Um, but at the same token, I saw the opportunity. So I launched a media company and I headed all the development. Uh, I offshored some work in those early days. And then I built a team out. We ran out of Beverly, Massachusetts. And I had like 15, 16 people. And we had magazines. We had portals. We had, and we had original content writers and all that. And that was a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, I had to, this is where the sales side comes in, right? Um, when, you're, when, when you own your own company, you got to sell. You mm-hmm. can't just wait for people to, you know, you got to be your best salesperson. So I went off and I met with the agencies. And I, I you know, these Bernard Hodes, Bernard Hodes and TMP Worldwide and other big agencies, they loved our product. They loved uh, what we were doing and all that. They said, you know, uh, but they said to me, um, you know, we don't see you guys in magazines. And, I, and I'm like, right, because we're brand new. But we tried to run, it cost me a fortune to run an ad series in one month in seven magazines, and we got absolutely nothing out of it. So my friend, my partners and friends, they're looking at me, they're like, "Um, what are we going to do? And I was driving home that night, Manning, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to, we're not going to just, definition of insanity is repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and just, you know, expect a different outcome. I'm going to go create my own magazines. And, and so I came in the next day, I had one off and I had registered RN week and PT week and OT week and physician week. And I went off and I personally built all the templates and all that. And then we, I used my offshore team together. And in three weeks, we had automated magazine construction, aggregate all content, push, put it out, run banner ads and all that. And then we, we promoted our products and our services all through our magazines. Through there. It, it was, hmm. it was, it was wonderful. Um, I, I, I can go on and on, but I, I'll stop yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you went through a lot, um, but um, one of the, the prevalent um, things that I'm seeing in, in all of these stories is that you, you're thinking very differently, right? And it seems like you're asking why, why? So um, even before we continue, one of the questions is like, where, where do you think that that comes from? Because, you know, being able to ask why, being curious, being able to explore new things, you know, overcoming fear. Like these are all things that um, I think subconsciously we know that we should be doing in order to achieve whatever we're, we're trying to achieve, but we don't all do it. So where does that come from, from you? Like if, if, if you're thinking about this, how, what makes you like different in that way? What happened? Was it, do you think it was your upbringing? Was it something that you read? Is it, do you think it's something that you're born with, that people are born with? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's something about um, contributing uh, in some way to, like I said earlier, like in the software days when I was programming for a living, I didn't want to take things just at face value. Like, you know, when you're a kid and the little kids would go, but why? And you're like, mm. well, this is why. And they go, but why? And, you know, and, and, but why? Right. And, and there's a, there's a methodology called the five whys. Actually, it's a, you know, you can look in and the five whys really help you to start like knocking down those dominoes of kind of, now I didn't invent the five whys, but if you, it, you know, when I, when I learned about the five whys later, it, it's, it's that whole, cause you know, it's not that they are challenging it, but they're trying to inquisitively understand why. And, and, in in my case, I wanted the value that, and, and, and this was part of, I think, uh, in the Trapcore days and all that uh, as well. As I remember when I went to Trapcore, they had not had a positive experience with IT. Mm. They saw IT people as being uh, 
um, you know, uh, defensive. Um, they were kind of like the elite. Uh, we have no idea what they're doing. They they talk to us like we're children. Um, we're, we're, we're supposed to, it's like the Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, and I really felt like, you know, we have a need to, so when when I, I I remember I got a I inherited a thick folder of things that had been told to people for two years they were be coming but had never come, and I remember mm. I took it upon myself to go I'm, I'm going to take this folder and I'm going to eat it over the next three weeks I'm going to program my heart out again even though I was leading development and whatnot I'm going to program my heart out and I'm going to go and get in front of these people and I got into the and ask them well we got this challenge I'm like but why are we why are you asking for this and like we got this need here's our challenge and I'm like but you came up with this why did you come up with this and they're like well this because we we thought that this would be the best way and I and I started becoming I think um, there you know that we, we we were collaborating we were mm. uh, symbiotic we were synergistic it was it was value to kind of bring you know, a great, it's like the sum of the parts, right? You know, um, you know, each pot has something to offer, but the product uh, could be better than either one of us ourselves could have come up with. So I, I think I've always instilled that. And to this very day, I mean, there's many things that have happened after the, you know, the media company, but I think it's the same kind of thing of why. Um, and then, you know, I do a lot of strategy now. If I come my current times and I look back, I go and I advise CEOs and boards and companies. And I've done that now many, 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 many companies. I work with them and I help them with their strategy. And part of strategy, Manny, is why do you guys do what you do? Right? <laughs> what you decide on, right? What is it? Why, why do you have you guys made a, a, a conscious effort to do this or offer that or build that or have this solution? Do so it's, it's people that get offensive minds. It's the free, it's really to open that up. And because I think so very often uh, people might come to uh, a, a conclusion before they've had a chance to really vet that, uh, idea and for me, the, the the work I do at companies and I can I love to see that epiphany moment when people go, I, I don't know why, and, and and I can't tell you how many times in companies, I ask why are we doing this though, right? It seems counterintuitive if if our goal is this, why is this being done? And they're like, well, it just is. I'm like, why? And then, and it turns out more often than not, you see that somebody who worked for the company years ago had decided that this is something that should be done, but it has no more relevance to the, the to current business. And yet people are not, don't, no one, no one asks why they just go, this is what we do. This is how we do it. So I think why is a really interesting question. Um, I also think that, you know, uh, what and, and how are equally important, right? Because I think what you do and how you do it is really good. Like this is what we do and this is how we do it. But I think why is purpose-driven. Why gives you the, why are you doing this in the first place? So let me give you an example. When I worked for uh, the, the medical companies, you know, you think that our goal in life was to uh, place nurses on assignment, work from win more customers, place more nurses, and, and keep everybody kind of, you know, the process going. But I remember we used to have these company meetings, and letters would come in, and they would tell stories like, I want to thank your company because I'll make up a name, Kathleen Johnson. 
she was holding my mother's hand in the hospital when she was very ill and we all walked in as a family and it brought us to tears because we could see how she was connecting to my mom and my mom is giving her hope in this woman like you know continuity of care right we used to call it continuity of care and she was there and she gave us comfort as well and we all left and guess what we came back the next morning and there was kathleen holding my mom's hand again and we could see my mom's face lighting up and we could see her you know her like her healing that was happening and we think that she got back in the game and she held on and she fought through it a lot because of Kathleen. So, you know, thank you so much for what you guys do and, 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 and having people like Kathleen in your organization. That's purpose driven, right? That's like, right. we're making a difference. So, I, I mean, that's a long answer to the question, but I, I wanted to give some context. No, but um, I think that it's, it's interesting, you know, what, what you mentioned, because... Um, not every, every, not everybody is willing to ask why, right? And not only just in, you know, going into a business, but just in, in general, like, why am I in the situation that I'm in, for example, something so basic, because that leads you to, okay, confronting the problem right. and then choosing to actually do something about it. And I feel like more often than not, you, you, you find people in companies that, and um, I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned any um, adversity that came with you asking why, because at least in my um, experience and, um, you know, other people's experience, the person that comes in asking why, why, why is probably going to be the first one to go because people don't not only don't want to answer the question, they, they want to stick to the status quo. That's how they've always done things. I'm sure you've heard that. So that's how they do it. And there's, there's a lot of people that are, uh, uh, what's the word, reluctant to change because, and at least to some people, that might be um, what their job is reliant on, right? Because I'm sure yeah, that so the I'm going to stop you, Manny, because yeah. I think it gets back to this. Yeah. You're going to be true to yourself. Now, coming back to what I've said, yeah. I'm not, you know, to conform and, 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 and not trying to be difficult, but to, to, to go into a company whose culture is one where, you know, just uh, shut up and do your job. Don't ask yeah. why. Um, uh, and if that's, and if you're satisfied, I want to make a paycheck. This is why I always say is the difference between somebody who goes, I have a job and the person who says I have a career, right? Cause the job says, I go in there, I do my time. I don't really care about this job. I'll just do what they asked me to do. And then yeah. I will leave and it's five o'clock. <laughs> I'm off. I'm going to, you know, go <laughs> dancing. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to go eat with my family. We're going to have, you know, we're going to do the cha-cha, all that awesome stuff. Or you're going to go in and, and you're going to go really yourself. Listen, can I make a contribution to this company? Can I actually, is this company a company where I'm going to be valued, my skills, my knowledge, my understanding? And if I ask questions, uh, like why, is it going to be seen as a threat or is it going to be seen as like, oh, I'm glad you have that curiosity. Um, I can tell you, Manny, uh, you know, we could talk for hours about adversity that I've had about those. And especially as you come in, like I have, at the executive level, <laughs> right? When you come yeah. in at the executive level of a company and you got some, you got some really strong egos and pride and uh, power grabs and all that. And one thing I've always said to is I don't play any politics. So that's mm. hard for a lot of people. Politics is, you know, we, we see a lot of going on politics as we speak in the world of, uh, you know, affairs of elections and all this stuff. But what I'm talking about is internal politics, power, right. ego, arrogance, stride, you know, dictatorship and all that stuff. And I'm like, 
So I, I, I've walked into many companies where uh, after a few days or weeks, um, I get a chance to meet with the different managers, the, the, the leaders, the executives. Uh, and, and, and I can't tell you how many times like a, chess, a, a, a figurative chessboard is put out. And, they, mm. and the pieces are all be already on the board played out. And they're like, this is how it is here. This is how it is. And this is how we roll and all that. And I like to go, I'm like, how about we take that chessboard and just do this? And we start, we start here because only because, you know, all that has, that has come about uh, is before I came here and we're going to, I'm not here to come in as the, like, I'm the new guy, but I, I want to be able to build from here up. And so how we can evolve. If you think about, uh, you know, a lot of work that I do is, you know, like Gordon Ramsay going into a restaurant, right? Where the owners own the restaurant, they're convinced it's not them. They're convinced it's not their food. It's convinced it's, you know, it's everything else, but they can't explain why there's no customers. Right. And, you know, you got to work with people. If, if that's the chessboard, right? That's the chessboard they have all set up. And, you know, you don't want, you know, Ramsey's different than I am, but, you know, you notice he's not like, I'm not buying the, the food's terrible. Let me tell you, your management style is not working. Um, and so, you know, you've got to be able to go into those, you know, those companies. But I come back to why, Manny, it's a really, really important question. To, to ask. And if you're in a, if, if, you know, I don't think you can be true to yourself if you really are asking why, because mm-hmm. to your point, if you ask why you, you you're going to be accountable for whatever comes out of that. Right. Yeah. And, it, and if it's, if a why is a good thing, great. If why is not a good thing, then you better be positioned to go through that process with them and, and undo that. But to me, that's value adding. That's value adding, you know? Yeah. I think, being able to ask why it can be, it can be a scary thing, right? Cause then, like you said, like that responsibility then, then falls on you. But it sounds like that, that question specifically seems to kind of ring true in a lot of the different steps that you've taken to become an entrepreneur. And right. one, one of the, the interesting things, um, not only about you, but a few other people that I spoke that I have spoken with as well is that more often than not, they don't just start as an entrepreneur. Like at some point they worked a regular job. That's right. And I think that you're seeing more and more people that are just whatever in school. And they're like, oh, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. Like that's going to yeah. be my job. Do, do you think that it is important for somebody to have some actual work experience before they um, leap into being an entrepreneur, creating a company, creating a product, et cetera? Or do you think that that's something that we, that they can just totally. Yeah, see? it's possible. Is, is there it's value possible. there? I've, I've seen it, but I, I tell you the foundation is I did work for, boarded for five years. I did work for cross country and trap Corps for 11 years. I did run my media company for like three years. Um, and then I, I worked for a healthcare IT company that I started um, and for five, six years. So these are, these are all companies though. And though I was entrepreneurial in them, in the sense that I was a partner and I started some of these companies, the anchor years of boarding, the anchor years of cross country and trap Corps. Um, they be, they gave me the, and the, and also I was a CIO for a lot of these companies and the role of chief information officer is you have to be able to understand the business from everything from start to end, all the functions, all the areas and understand how that all works. So, you know, in, in my mind, there's always projects going on. There's portfolios of projects. So what ended up when I started to become entrepreneurial, right? I'm going to go launch my own business. What's not very, it was not, it was very easy after I had that foundation mm. to start to be able to uh, look at the world, like this is not some company I'm working for, it's some company I'm building. 
but it's the same premise. The other thing is that social skills and management skills and uh, leadership skills and uh, what I would call this IQ and then this EQ, right? Emotional yeah. intelligence. A lot of people can't get over the emotional intelligence side. It actually hurts them. If they, they don't because they don't ask why, or they don't, they don't want it. They don't care why. That's another, that's another, I don't care why I just do my <laughs> job. Um, that's not really a strength. Um, I would rather people ask why than to say, I don't care why. So, but I think those are really important foundational uh, blocks that people need uh, before they dive right into entrepreneurship. I, now, now it happens. You can hit right place, right time, right opportunity and all that. But I still think that you see some of those people ultimately struggle uh, because they don't have the, some of that foundation. Yeah, and I think also um, you're going to probably get a lot more adversity from like the personal side of things, like you mentioned, your wife and your family, when maybe you haven't sought out some of that experience to be able to understand potentially how it means to work. Because if, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, somebody's going to work, somebody's going to be working for you at some point. So if you don't have the perspective of being, of working for somebody else, then you may not necessarily be able to relate to that person that now that you're leading as yeah, well. That's, that's exactly right. Here's the other thing. When you work for a company and you're in a role, and again, as you elevate up and you're doing more things, you're getting exposed to areas just like school that you wouldn't like accounting and marketing and sales and operations and IT and HR and, you know, all these things that are, you know, that make the pulse of a company go. When you're an entrepreneurial, guess, an entrepreneur, guess what? You're going to do all those things. Mm-hmm. You're going <laughs> to do all of that. So if, if you've never been exposed to any of it, even in a regular corporation and how it's going and rolling, then you're, you're really at a disadvantage of just like diving out there. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Um, and, and guess what? Entrepreneurs always believe that it's going to be, they have it all figured out very quickly. It's going to all work out just exactly as they plan it. I can tell you, it takes more time, takes more energy, takes more hours, and it takes more money and, and all the things that, and oftentimes the road that you start on uh, tends to change depending on where you're, you know, you're talking. Because once you get the reality check, what the market's asking for, you might, you might shift to adjust, right. you know, to meet that market demand rather than what you sought, you know, originally had sought off to do. So you went from having this secure job to going and saying, I'm quitting and I'm going to start this new thing. And you did mention um, that your wife was, was hesitant. And, and, you know, somebody listening to that and, and even me, it's like, why, why would you take something that is secure? So I know that you have a curiosity and you solve the Rubik's cube, like you said, but um, were you ever hesitant? Like, man, I have the secure job is bringing in good money. I'm able to take care of my family. How do I now go? And I have this desire because I'm bored where I am to do something different, but do I really want to put my, uh, my family in a place where it's not stable and my wife is also not concerned. So like, how did you overcome that part of, of your decision to ju- go from um, working for a company to now being an entrepreneur and starting your own business and now everything is responsible. Now you're every, now you're responsible for everything that happens. Yeah, it was a big decision. I think that um, uh, I think the, uh, not for the faint at heart. And I think that, you know, you have to, I, and I always give the analogy. It's like, it's all, it all sounds good until the paycheck stops. 
Um, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I walk down the beach and I'm looking at the ocean and the waves crashing and um, my hair's blowing in the wind. What here I have left and, um, you know, oh boy, did I make the right decision here, right? But for me, uh, you know, I think, and my, for my wife, knowing who I am, um, you know, and, and, and you know, I, we had made a decision that you want to add one more dimension. We made a decision early on that I would go off into the crazy world and she stay home and mm. not work. Uh, so add that variable to the equation. Um, and so did that, but not meaning I haven't done that once. I did it four times now. I've, uh, you know, so I have, I left my cross country job. Uh, then I, you know, we did the media company. I did the, um, uh, I did, I started doing work for a venture capital firm and I became the CIO for this company called Millennium Pharmacy doing robotics, automated dispensing, pharmacy dispensing in, in systems. But I walked into his office one day and said, I'm leaving to go launch a new company. <laughs> and then I, in, in, in 2011, vitalized the healthcare IT company I started with some partners. 2011, January, I walked into that room and I told him I'm leaving. Uh, and he's like, what? And, um, and then uh, just recently um, with this, uh, this year, I, I left in my, my, my position. I've been in, you know, consulting for the company and working for the company for eight and a half years. I'm leaving. Um, and so, uh, and that was just, you know, you know, different drivers there, but the point is it's not an easy choice and it's a, you know, it's, it's, you know, there is a risk in element, but life is, I think the, going back to the, 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 the discussions I said earlier with the older folks, I would have taken more risk. I would have gone mm. off and I would have, I, you know, I have some regrets that I didn't go explore things that I was interested in and wanted to do. And I always wanted the safe thing and hold on to the job. And, uh, and, and, and part of me, I don't, I don't think you, uh, you really had a chance to live um, if you don't get a chance to actually try to do these things. And so, um, so, so I think it's, you, you have to be able to be, and I'll I'll be honest, it's very motivating too. (laughs) The next thing you do, (laughs) it better work uh, because you know, you got to make this thing happen. So I think that's what it is, I think. But what it's afforded me, and I know we're not going to, we're going to run out of time here to some extent, but being able to have worked, like I said, Borden, those years, a big global manufacturing company, then a service-only company where, you know, travel nursing, right? And then launching a media company and then doing, um, you know, consulting for venture capital firms and then ro- working with a pharmacy company that did automated dispensing, robot, uh, individual barcoded applications, then launching a healthcare IT company where we helped implement hospital, impl- you know, electronic medical records into hospitals and built a whole practice and sold that company um, uh, to a very, very big company. And then, you know, uh, you know, launching another healthcare company, then getting a call from a friend of mine up in New Hampshire who asked me to help him build health, his company, which was not healthcare, but it was a, a company to help uh, businesses expand internationally and in immigration and compensation and tax and establishment and moving people and assignments and technology. So all of those things What's really, really fun with all of those things is that I many, many, many times I can tell you, and as I've been in these different companies, they're trying to solve a certain problem. I'm like, we solved that before, or we've done it in a different industry, a different vertical, a different model. We this is how we did that, and and I'm able to bring us, you know, knowledge and insights and skills and and wisdom, if you will, to these businesses. That, you know, if I had just been, you know, stayed in the same business in the same role and the same thing, 
You never got exposure to any of that stuff. The other beautiful thing, like I said earlier, is I've gotten exposed to many, many, many cultures, many, many mm-hmm. styles of management, many, many different styles of leadership. Um, and I've got to see the best and the worst in, in that process. But it's made me, I think, um, you know, a whole person as a result of that. And not to, not to get off this topic, several years back, I went off and I immersed myself even – I went half time for a while at MSI for, for a while – and I immersed myself out into the world. So I got involved in artificial intelligence companies and blockchain companies and IoT mm. companies and pharmaceutical companies, life science companies. And I'm still actively involved with a portfolio of all of these businesses. Because for me, it's, you know, it, we, it's a lifelong learning. I think I'm going to, you know, I'd stress that, Manny. Lifelong learning. Interest, having, you know, learning, applying new skills and knowledge but, you know, when I come back to what I said earlier, I really do like to go into companies that are um, that, you know, are here and I'm help them get to here or they're, they're, they're struggling and they don't know how to they don't they can't see the forest. And so I, you know, go in there and I call it like CEO brain surgery. I like to go in and, and actually help these companies. And I don't like to talk about it. I like to actually like to execute. Let's actually do it. Right. So um, so that's part of it. I hope that that's a lot I just said, but. It gives you a perspective yeah. on it. No, that's good. I wish that I had more time. And I'm going to preface this by saying this is part one because <laughs> there, are two, there are two specific things that I definitely want to have you on again and uh, talk to you about. One is the homeschooling. At, well, not the homeschooling, but the, you know, your wife staying at home because that's something that my wife and I are heavily considering. So definitely yep. want to get your thoughts. I don't know, maybe potentially have her on if she's willing. Um, and the other is... Um, actually talking about building a company and what it takes and what that's going to look like. But I think that this was awesome because we got a good basis. We got kind of your thought process behind, behind all of these things. So I don't know, Matt, I really appreciate, you know, the time that, that you've um, sure. taken aside to be able to talk to me and hopefully we'll, we'll do a part two. Sounds good. Pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. We'll talk awesome, soon, Manny. Man. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. You got it. Take care.